Welcome to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay, fitting it all together to make teaching and learning in the junior grades more accessible, practical, and fun for both teachers and their students. Here's your host, teacher by day, mom of three, and curriculum creator of all the things from madlylearning.com, Patty Firth. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. Today, I want to talk about your struggling readers. Specifically, what are you supposed to do with those struggling readers in guided reading? Especially if you're in a junior classroom and you're looking at a huge, wide range of abilities in your class. Most guided reading programs, most guided reading activities have the assumption that you might have low, medium, and high-level students. But we all know that we're going to have students that are well below grade level, and yet we still need to help bridge that gap for them. There's different types of students that you will have in your classroom, and your strategy for supporting those students is going to look different depending on their academic profile. So I want to talk about three different types of learners who may be working significantly below grade level in your classroom and how to best support them in a guided reading lesson. So the three types of students that you might have are going to be students with a diagnosed learning disability. For a student to have a learning disability, they need to have a cognitive functioning that is at the same as their peers. So they have an average level of cognitive ability. So their thinking skills, their intelligent, but the LD, there's something happening that is affecting their ability to process information and they are therefore have a low output in school. So they're struggling in school because of the learning disability. There's something that is getting in their way. However, their cognitive ability is the exact same or at the average level as their neurotypical classmates. The second type of learner you have is going to be your student that generally across the board, they have low average. So they have a low average intelligence on a cognitive scale, so they're working at a lower cognitive ability than other students in your classroom, and their ability that they are working in school, so they're functioning in school, matches their cognitive ability. These are often students who might just fall on the cognitive spectrum as considered to be low or low average, as well as students who may be MID or have a developmental delay. The third type of student that might be in your classroom that is working significantly below grade level are going to be your step one and two ELL students. Now, these are going to be students who might be new to the country and they have first language literacy skills and they're in your classroom and they're learning English. They have a limited vocabulary in English and their big goals right now are just to build vocabulary. You also may have ELLs who were born here in Canada, but they may be struggling with acquiring language skills at this level, and there may be a barrier to their success due to a limited vocabulary or for whatever other reason. So a student who might be an ELL, they might be a step two, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are new to the language, it just might mean that they are still catching up to match their same age peers. Now those ELLs are going to be more often, more likely to happen in the younger grades than they are in the older grades. Research shows us it does take about six years for an ELL student to catch up with their English-only peers. 
So knowing or looking at the fact that we've got three different types of learners that may be in our classrooms working at significantly below grade level, what should your area of focus be for those students? Because they do look a little bit differently. Now, these are going to also require that this is reflected in their IEP if they have an IEP or in their modifications for their ELL. So if you have an ELL report that you have to identify that they're receiving modifications, then you have to follow that for students that have special education needs. You need to make sure that these strategies are identified in their IEP or you're writing those in there to help support these students so that the accommodations and modifications that I may be suggesting are going to be there to help you assess those students. First, let's talk about students with LDs. So the one thing we need to remember with a student with an LD is we often mislabel them as saying, oh, I have a student in my classroom, he's reading at a grade two level. Student with an LD may be reading at a grade two level, but their thinking skills are at grade level. So in our guided reading lesson, we need to help our student with their reading level and help to increase their reading level while also addressing their thinking and cognitive skills so that we can give them an output for where they're thinking. So if they're thinking like a grade five student, and yet they're reading these really simple texts, it is difficult for them to kind of exercise their brain and the comprehension strategies and also read those texts. So one of the things that I like to do with students that have an LD, and I know that there is that disconnect between the cognition and the output, is number one, I really want to remember that when I'm planning my lessons. The first key is I wanna know their cognitive profile and I wanna know what their strengths are as an individual. What is that barrier that is preventing them from being successful? For some students, if it's the reading and the decoding, then I can put in their IEP that for me to be able to assess their comprehension, that I can assess their comprehension based on a text that they have listened to as well as read so that they have some familiarity and we can start assessing comprehension of a text differently from them decoding a text. Now, this is something that I like to do because I really want to get students to be thinking and talking about what they're reading because they can start to really see the motivation because the texts that are at their cognitive level are much more engaging for them. So when they're able to start talking about them and digging into them and they can have that support by being able to listen to the text as well as reading along with it, it allows them to really dig into reading and it provides them with a little bit more motivation. Now, this is important too, that your student needs to understand their cognitive profile as well. They need to understand what barriers get in their way from being successful and how what strategies they can put in place that will help to accommodate and modify for them. Now, you may want to find a text for these students that are somewhere in between where their cognition is and where their independent reading level is. And we can support them through this so that we can bring up that cognition. We can assess them and their level of thinking skills on a text as well as what they're able to read independently and giving them the motivation as to why they need to read and why they need to be motivated to read texts at a higher level. And we also in part with that, so it's a two-prong approach for our LD students, we also need to help them 
with looking at where their cognitive profile says they're struggling and how we teach them how to read. And we look at the decoding and the fluency skills on their reading level. For some LD kids, we may have to use DRA. It may be mandated or some other generalized reading assessment. However, for some students, I like to do my own version of assessing their reading and identify not just where they can read out loud to me with a whole bunch of errors, but where they can read regardless of errors in their head and still be able to understand the text. So while they may come out at a DRA at a 20, can I give them a 28 to read independently and I don't listen to them reading? I do not mark their fluency and decoding skills, but if I gave them that 28, can they read it and understand it and tell me about it? If they can, then that gives me a better snapshot of that child's reading where I'm not overly focused on their fluency and decoding. I'm really concerned with, can they comprehend the text at a higher level? and then we'll work on those other aspects. So for our LD kids, it's a little bit more nuanced and to try to figure out where that limit is. And it's not always going to sit in a DRA. We have to look a little bit deeper as to where the difference is between their cognitive ability and their output of reading on a standardized assessment. So the second type of student is going to be our students that might have a low average intelligence on a cognitive scale. So a lot of our students go through standardized testing such as CCAT or they've had a psychoeducational assessment completed, which will tell us a little bit more about why they're working below grade level. For these students, it's important that we meet them where they are and that we develop a reading program for them or for the group of students in our class, that we can meet them where they are and have them reading texts and working on skill levels that reflect where their stage is in reading. So we want to, if they are reading at a DRA 10, we want to find texts at the DRA 10. We want to do comprehension strategies for that level. Things like retelling, identifying important characters, understanding problem and solution and structure. We may not be getting into a lot of the inferential and the higher order thinking skills that might be happening with students that are at our grade level that we are assigned but we really have to meet those students where they are and work on those primary reading, introductory reading skills and strategies to move them forward. One of my favorite resources to use with these mid to low level students is the reading packages from Ann Gardner on TPT. They're simple one page reading activities that are all leveled and I use these for my students who are working on lower level texts because they are a great way to simply grab a text that's at level. It's a quick one pager and they have quick comprehension questions, both open-ended and multiple choice questions that these students can work on. They often need more than one text per week because they can move through them somewhat quickly. So to have just a quick package that is written for that level of student is a great way to be able to give them an activity that is at their level that's a quick win for them and for you and to help you with your their comprehension and fluency and decoding skills. 
Unfortunately, Madly Learning does not specialize in primary reading activities, which is why we do not have these resources in our school, but I will recommend Ann Gardner's reading passages for your students that are working from a grade two level or below. The third group of students that we're going to look at are gonna be ELLs. Now I wanna separate these into two separate groups. ELLs that have previous schooling, that have first language literacy skills in a language other than English, and our ELLs that are working at a step one or two that do not have first language literacy skills. There's two different groups and they require two different strategies. For students that are in step one and step two, these are students that are going to be reading significantly below grade level, but you have to remember, these are students that are simply learning vocabulary. A step one and two ELL, their goal right now is not reading. So a guided reading session doesn't need to be focused on reading. That's not their goal during this time. Their goal in step one and step two is on vocabulary development and settling in, especially if you're dealing with a newcomer student in your class. Their goals are simply survival language, getting them comfortable with their new country, with their new culture, with the classroom routines and rules and structure. Their goal is vocabulary building. It is not on reading. It is not on writing. So while they're participating in a guided reading session, their ability to read the text or our need to do DRA on those students is not necessary. DRA is not meant for ELL students at a step one and step two. It does not provide us reliable data as to where that student is because we can often have an ELL that can decode a level 16 text and understand none of the words in it. It's the same reason why in the shower, when you look at the shampoo bottle, you can read the back of the shampoo bottle in French, yet you might not have any idea what it says. So I may be able to decode in another language, but that doesn't mean I understand anything I'm saying. I just understand the sound symbol relationship of how French words are constructed. And I can generally, with a very strong accent, read the French words pretty badly, but I can still read them. Doesn't mean I understand what I'm saying. So with that in mind, we also need to focus when we are working with our ELLs in a guided reading session, we are focused primarily on vocabulary. That means we can do the reading. We can read, they can follow along, they can read with us, and we will stop. And we will ask them to identify the vocabulary. What is in the picture? What are they doing? Show me what jumping looks like. What does jumping mean? What does sitting mean? It's all about vocabulary development, working on nouns, working on verbs, identifying those nouns and verbs and making a connection between their first language and English. What is that word in Arabic? What is that word in Chinese? Getting students to write out the words if they have first language literacy skills, getting them to understand the nouns and the verbs that are in the text that they're reading or you are reading with them, and making the connections between their first language and their second language. Pulling out a list of words that you stop, make a list as you're reading together with these students, draw a picture of them, take photocopies of the text if you need to and have them draw a picture, make a connection with those words, 
and find those words in their first language so they can understand them. Having them write simple pattern sentences using these new words is a great way to develop vocabulary. They're working on their oral language skills first. When they have a wider vocabulary, when their oral language skills have developed, that's when we need to focus on teaching them reading. In fact, students with a first language literacy skill already know how to read. They simply don't know how to read in English. So once they have the vocabulary and they understand the sound symbol relationship in English, they will be able to transition into reading those English texts and be able to make the gains that they need to make. Yes, we can focus on things like vowel sounds and the phonetic understanding of language, but that happens after students have developed an oral understanding of the language. With ELL students, we start first with oral. Once we have a good oral language skill, then we begin to work on the reading and the writing. We do not worry about reading and writing first and then work on the vocabulary. We also don't need to build them all at the same time. So we can start peppering in some reading skills, but the first thing is really working on that vocabulary. So we can do the reading as teachers, we can read with them, they can read with us, we can expose them to the words, and we can make those connections between their first language and English. Put them in sentences, simple, simple pattern sentences that they can follow as they are building their oral language skills. Now, you may also have ELLs that were born here, they've been in school for a while, they have a wide, wide range of vocabulary, but their reading and writing skills are working significantly below grade level. For these students, these are the ones where now they're ready to begin to build their reading skills. So there may be something that is interfering processing because they're processing information in two different languages in their head. There could just be a lag in skills because they're catching up to their peers, which is completely and totally normal. It's not always a sign of a learning disability or a difficulty. It's just a lagging skill that they need the time to develop. But those students, yes, we do need to focus on things like the sound symbol relationship in English, phonetics, segmenting words, all of those things are going to be important and we can often teach them those early reading strategies that they missed perhaps or weren't ready for in primary. We can get, begin to build those in for our students as we teach those ELL students that now is the time for reading and this is what it looks like and what it means. With all ELLs, anytime you can connect their first language to English is always going to be vital. It also means that we need to allow our students to read in their first language if they can, as well as writing in their first language whenever we, it's possible. And we we'll need to allow them to use those strengths in the classroom, regardless of the teacher's language ability. We need to allow the student to be able to read and write in their first language if necessary. If they can do it on a device, they can write their response to a text you read in Arabic, and then you can use Google software to translate that. You will get a rudimentary translation of what they said, but it's enough to give you a gist of are they getting it or are they not? And that's perfectly fine with an ELL, ensuring that the modifications you have in place for that student reflect that this is how you are going to assess them and what criteria you are omitting for them because they're not yet there. Once you have an ELL that should be a step three or step four, they should be in students who are no longer 
significantly below grade level. So they should be able to use some of the same strategies that you would use for your other students who do not have an ELL profile to be working the at or approaching grade level activities that your other students may be working on. So I hope that gives you some ideas of how you can structure and what strategies you can use in your guided reading sessions for students that are working significantly below grade level and how you can tailor what you do in those guided reading sessions for the students based on their individual needs. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. We will see you again next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Madly Learning podcast replay. Join me on www.madlylearning.com for more information on all things teaching in the junior grades. Don't forget, you can always catch this show on the Madly Learning YouTube channel. See you next week for another replay episode of Teaching with Madly Learning. <laughs>